Thank you that you are the one who came down and stepped into humanity. Lord, that you were not content to let us remain in the mire and the mud of our existence without you. Lord, we enjoyed it. We were like pigs wallowing in the mud. And yet we didn't know all that you intend for us. And you have brought us into the glorious light of knowing that you love us and that you have more in store for us. So Father, I pray that today as we we consider again this Christmas story of the shepherds, that you would open our ears and our eyes and our hearts again, perhaps for the first time, perhaps to new insights, Lord, that that we would read the story and hear the story and see something more of how great you are and how this news of your coming changes the world and needs to be told to everyone. Father, I pray today that this, this passage that we have heard read by Pamela, Lord, that, that it would shake us, and, and not shake us in a bad way, but shake us so that we're like, like a bottle of Coca-Cola, Lord, that when shaken just fizzes everywhere with, with exuberance and joy. Lord, I pray that the story of your coming would so excite us that like the shepherds, we would want to tell others. Because to our shame, Father, so often we, we're excited, but it's a, it's a kind of I'm sitting down and relaxing kind of excited, which isn't that excited at all. So please excite us again, Lord. Excite us with the story of your coming and excite us with the, with the promise of your return. Amen. So you probably have heard this particular passage one or two times in your life. Even if you've never been a Christian, you've probably heard this passage because it comes up guaranteed at least in a Christmas carol like While Shepherds Washed. But I I hope today we're going to get something new out of it. Um, uh, Something, there's at least one tidbit in there which I struck this week and I thought, wow, I've never realized that. So hopefully you'll you'll pick up on it and, and, and maybe come to me after the service and go, Nicholas, I didn't realize that. Um, If you realized every single thing that I said, come to me and say, Nicholas, I realized every single thing that you said. Um, Regardless, I'm going to have a lot of conversations afterwards. It's red. Sorry. I just switched it off. Okay. I think it's working now, Colin. Sorry, Colin's got this, this new toy for us to record things. And you see it moves, so I can really try and annoy Colin by moving around. Let's, let's start. So we've got the story of the shepherds out one day, well, one night in the fields, and they're just sitting around watching over their sheep. During the day, of course, the sheep would be out on the grass, but at night time, the shepherds would bring them in um, put them into some crude pens because it's easier if they're all together. Make sure they don't get attacked by wild animals or thieves coming in or bad weather or, or whatever. And the, the sheep would be there and nearby always watching would be the shepherds. 
probably a crowd of them, so maybe three, four, five. Uh, it's quite a large uh, flock, quite a large herd over here. Uh, the actual job of watching, usually in those days, I'm just going to carry on if I, if I can. Usually in those days, you want to get it working and then let me know. Sorry, Colin. Technology is wonderful, but it always breaks. Okay, now it's working. So, so the sheep are there in the fields. Uh, they're in a pen, probably. The shepherds are close. They're watching. Uh, usually, only one shepherd at a time would, would take a night watch, and the others would get a bit of sleep. Um, I don't know if it was early in the night when this happened. I don't know if it was late in the night. I don't know if there was one shepherd awake who yelled out and so woke up all the other shepherds. Luke doesn't give us the details. All we know is that there were shepherds there and they were watching the sheep. That's quite interesting, verse, verse 8 there. Luke says to us that the first announcement of Jesus' birth, once it has actually happened, was made to these shepherds who, who are... Uh, they're like the poor class, the downtrodden class, the, the untouchable class almost. Not, not quite, but, but they were in many ways a despised class because according to their jobs, they weren't able to keep so many of the Mosaic laws and regulations. Um, and, and of course, uh, there was absolutely no way that they could keep all of the laws and regulations that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law tried to put on them. And so, a lot of the time, they were seen as religious dropouts. Um, they were also, you know, in Europe, you've got the gypsies over there who are given a bad time. Uh, if you've got gypsies, oh, they've probably stolen something. Isn't that horrible? The same kind of thing. A lot of shepherds were, ex well, they were suspected of being quite happy to confuse what's yours with what is theirs. Um, they were also, as a class not allowed to give testimony in court because they're shepherds and who would believe a shepherd? We're not exactly sure if that, if that was very strong at this time when Jesus was born, but certainly around about that time they had a, a horrible, horrible reputation. But at the same time we come to the Bible and, and throughout the Bible the image of shepherd is always a, a, a positive image. Um, King David started life as a shepherd. You read through the Psalms, God speaks about shepherding His people. Uh, the king was supposed to shepherd the people. God Himself promised that one day He would come and shepherd His people, look after His people. So perhaps what we've got here is, is not so much emphasizing the, the lower class status of these shepherds. What we've got here is God announcing the birth of Jesus, God Himself incarnate, we have God announcing Jesus Christ to the blue class workers. Instead of going and putting it in uh, the West Australian to be delivered first to uh, some of the wealthy suburbs, He goes down to Rockingham. He announces it to us. Isn't that fantastic? We don't know what sort of people these shepherds were. I suspect they were godly people despite their, their class and despite their inability to keep all the laws. I, I suspect so because of the way they react to the message. But, but at the same time, these were just ordinary Joes. 
or being from back in that time, maybe ordinary Mephibosheths. They were just doing their job, and then suddenly something happens. I, I love how Luke does this with the word suddenly there. Can, can you just not picture it? They're there, most of them are half asleep. One is kind of watching, but he's also daydreaming a bit. There's this every now and again, maybe a hoot of an owl, but for the most part it's silent, a soft breeze. By the way, nobody knows what season this actually took place in. Um, Whether it was Christmas as we call it now, December 25th, there's people who write books about whether it is and whether it isn't. At the end of the day, who cares? We're remembering the coming of Jesus. The date is not important. But it's silent. I like to imagine that it's a, a, a reasonably chilly night. So they've maybe got a fire there. Crackling of the fire. And all of a sudden, verse 9, isn't this fantastic over there? Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them and they were terrified. They were absolutely terrified because there from silence and almost going to sleep, all of a sudden you get this angel appearing, and not just an angel appearing, but, but this brightness, this lightness, this, this glorious presence of God, and these guys are petrified, one, because they know that they are sinners, they know that they, they are not worthy to stand in the presence of the glory of God, and B, because there's an angel there. Frightening stuff, angels. Um, uh, who, your daughter is an angel in the Christmas pageant this year. Now we, we chose, we tried to get the most horrible person in the church. We failed. Um, I was busy singing. But we like to make our angels look nice and friendly. But the angel petrified these shepherds. They were so frightened. I, I can imagine them cowering, hiding behind a sheep or something. Because all of a sudden, there they stand in the presence of a Holy One from God. And it's not just an angel, remember the glory of God shone around them. What does the angel say? He says to them, don't be afraid. That's a good line from an angel. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't don't get stuck in the fact that you, sinful men, are standing in the presence of an Holy One from God, in the presence of God's glory. Don't get stuck on that, because I have come, says the angel, I have come to bring you good news. I have come to bring you good news that is for all people, and it will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You notice he uses three words there for Jesus. He says the Savior, which is that that wonderful word meaning the rescuer. The rescuer has been born. And he explains it. He says uh, uh, the rescuer, the Christ. In other words, that's, that's the Greek word for the Messiah, which means the anointed one, the chosen one, has been born. And he goes on and he says, the Lord has been born. Lord is the word that they used for God in the Greek Bible. 
And so the angel comes to him and says, don't be frightened because the rescuer, the chosen one, God himself, has been born for you in the city of David. Why does he mention the city of David? Why doesn't he just say Bethlehem over the corner, over the hill, you know the one? Well, he says to him in the city of David because this is according to the promise made to David. Remember what God said to David all those years ago when life was good in Israel, when the land was prosperous, when everything was going well. You had David the king who sought after God's heart, who wanted to honor God, who he mucked up, that he really failed a few times. But with all his heart, he wanted to, to chase after God. And God even said that he was his friend. And God turned to him and said, David, I promise that your dynasty will reign forever and there will be a king from your line for all eternity. This is what the angel's saying. He's saying, think back, David. Think back to all the promises of the rescuer. Think back to all the promises of the anointed one. You know when a king came? You remember what Samuel did when he anointed first Saul and then David? He poured oil over his head and he said, you are chosen as God's king. What's the angel saying? He's saying the rescuer, the one that God has chosen to be king, God himself has come according to the promises that he made to David all those years ago. Good news that will bring great joy to all people. The good news that is the gospel. And really, what greater joy could there be than realizing that God Himself has stepped in and wants to reconcile us with Himself? And doesn't it sound weird to say that God wants to be your friend? Who who hears that and says, that sounds weird? That does sound weird. And And yet, God said to David that He was a friend of God. I mean, obviously it's, it's a different kind of friendship because God is God and we are not. and He is King and Lord. But Christmas is the story of God stepping in and saying, you know what, you're going to be so happy because God Himself wants to be in a relationship with you. And He has done so much. He has stepped in to little pokey old Bethlehem. Good news that will bring great joy to all people. Regardless of your age, and your wealth, or your status, or your fame, or your education, regardless if you're a stinky shepherd that hasn't had a bath for a few months, God's good news has come. And everyone, everyone must know. You know, I, I love the fact that the angel comes and tells the shepherds. He gives them a sign. He says, this will be the sign you'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now, wrapping in swaddling cloths, that's, that's par for the course back then, but, but slightly more odd to be found in a manger. That's the story, but, but what I love is the reactions to this announcement. And the first reaction, the one, the one that really gets me, is the reaction of the angels. Because you start off with this one messenger... It takes one messenger to give a message like this. Let's, let's be honest. All you need is one angel, give the message, go away, job done. Yeah? But the angels themselves, they hear this, this, this message has gone out 
and all of a sudden, it's not just one angel giving this very short, sharp, simple message. You have a, an army of angels. If they were frightened at one angel, I, I can't imagine how frightened they must have been and yet tinged with joy. I mean, these are angels, spiritual beings who have known the incarnate Christ, Jesus, before He became man. They have known Him since bef- before. Since before, I don't know when the angels were created, but ever since they were created, they've known Jesus. They knew Him in eternity before His incarnation. They knew something of His glory and His riches and His majesty. They knew a little bit about humanity's fall. After all, angels had been tasked to stop Adam and Eve getting back into the garden. They knew that man had sinned and rebelled against God. They, they knew that God was, had this plan, roughly. They, they don't know the details, but they knew that God had this plan of salvation. I mean, Gabriel himself had come to Joseph and said, Joseph, mate, marry Mary because the child from in her is conceived of the Holy Spirit and you will call him Jesus because he will save his people. The angels knew that God was sending Jesus to save all of his people. Paul tells us that angels long to look into the mystery of salvation. They, they want to know the details, but, but surely at this stage you, you just sense that the angels are just they, just, they know so much of the glory of God and yet they come and praise God because they stand in awe of the fact that He who is above all things could step down and be born as a helpless baby. Deprived of His glory. I heard a thing on the internet the other day. And I think I used the words in my prayer that the God who was born as a baby who couldn't speak and yet is born the Word of God. Isn't that amazing? And these angels, don't you just love their reaction? Don't you just love... I, I, I think, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure this is... I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure this is spontaneous stuff. Because they've heard the announcement. They know what has happened. And all of a sudden, what do you have? You have, you have like this spontaneous breaking forth of an army of angels coming down and singing glory to God. Well, we say singing... The uh, Bible just says that they said these words. Maybe they wrapped them. I don't know. But, but they came and they were giving glory to God. And, and, and this is the, the third song that Luke records uh, in, just in two chapters. What do they say? They, they say here, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Glory to God in the highest God who is in heaven and on earth peace because there is already peace in heaven but but on earth they say let there be peace because God has stepped in heaven and earth the barrier has been broken with the birth of Christ peace is a pretty big theme for Luke Um, the idea of shalom the idea of fullness and wellness and And things being as God intends them to be. And I think these angels, they're just so caught up in the magnitude of what is happening 
that they cannot help but praise God. Praise God. Praise God that He should be bringing peace to those on earth on whom His favor rests. And I have this idea that they expect all of creation to burst out into praise as well. Because they realize that this very Jesus is the one through whom the Father will reconcile the world. Now, yesterday I was reading uh, Revelation 5. I don't know if anyone else read it um, in your daily readings yesterday. Revelation chapter 5. And as I'm setting up here, I've just realized that, that we see a very similar thing. In Revelation chapter 5, we see the angels worshiping God and the four living creatures because Jesus has been found, the lamb who was slaughtered and is alive again, worthy to open the scrolls, to set forward, to put into momentum the plan of God for salvation. And what happens in Revelation 5 is that you progressively get more and more people praising God until in the end all of creation is praising God. And I kind of imagine the angels here at the start at Jesus' birth, at the start of the story of salvation. This is them going, come on, let's praise! And finally at the end, all of creation will praise. Then of course we have the reaction of the shepherds. Um, the angels leave and that's always the critical time, isn't it? What are you going to do once you've heard that the Savior has been born? They could have gone, oh, that's, not, well, that's really special. Oh, I should, I, should, I should get a piece of paper, fold it in half, draw a picture of it, and, and send it to my friend. They could have just relaxed about it. But to their credit, and this is why I think they, they were waiting for God to act, they actually decided to go and see this child. Do you notice that the angel never once says to them, go and find Jesus? The angel just says to them, Jesus is born in Bethlehem. And the shepherds get so excited by this idea that they're like, come on, let's go! Which, by the way, is a horrible thing for a shepherd to do because they're, they're skiving off their job. They're leaving the sheep undefended. But they're going to look for the greater news. I mean, who cares if you get fired? You've seen the Savior. And so they go. And the sign that was promised them was a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. Um, have you ever noticed that they're not told many details? The promise is, you will find the sign, the proof, you will find Jesus wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. Or lying in the manger. Now Bethlehem's not the biggest place, but there's probably more than one barn in it. And I, I can picture, can, you've never thought of this, I've never thought of this. Maybe you have, but, but they would have had to knock on the doors. Excuse me, do you have anyone living in your manger? In a stable, in the manger. These shepherds would have woken the town saying, the angels have told us to come and find a boy. Well, they didn't tell us to find him, they just said he was there and he was the saviour. The town would have been waking up. The town would have been going, what? What's this? What, what are these shepherds on about? And eventually, I don't know how long it took them. Maybe they were lucky and found it on the first try. I don't know. But, but eventually they found the stable. 
and they found Jesus. Well, the star will come to that. The star probably arrived a, at least a couple of weeks afterwards. Um, we'll come to this when we do the wise men. Um, long story. Long story. Um, I'll, I'll tell you very quickly. Long story short, uh, the wise men probably arrived um, when Jesus was up to two years old. Because when Herod killed all the boys in Bethlehem, he killed all those two years and younger, according to when the star appeared. Um, so, and anyway, we'll cover the details of that. The star is very interesting. Um, regardless, the angels didn't tell them about a star. And these are unlearned shepherds. They wouldn't have known to look up and go, oh, that's a strange star. They, they just knew that they had to find the baby in a stable. Wrapped in a manger. And I would have loved to have been in Bethlehem that night as the town was woken with a question from these bedraggled looking shepherds that smelt of sheep. Have you seen the king? Wouldn't that be wonderful? And so Luke, I, I think, brings us this story because it's a story of good news and a story of reactions. I think Luke includes it because the story of Jesus' birth, in a way it would have no meaning for us if God hadn't told us what it meant. God told the shepherds that, that this is one of the most significant events in human history. That God was bringing peace on earth to those on whom His favor rests. And that's an interesting line there. Peace on earth to those on whom His favor rests. So according to the New Living Translation, Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Because the peace that is promised at Christmas is not promised to everyone. It's not an auto-magical Jesus is born and suddenly there is peace and fullness and everything is wonderful and fantastic. Remember what the angels sang? They say, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom God's favor rests. There is peace in heaven. And right now in heaven, God's will is being done. God is in charge. God is sovereign. But we live in this world where there is brokenness and where there is a prince of this world who would stand against God and who would blind the minds of those who do not know our Father and our Lord. And the promise of Christmas is that peace is available. But there is no Christmas peace for those who would reject the Prince of Peace. If we are to experience the peace of God, we first need to experience the favor of God. And to experience the favor of God, we first need to throw ourselves on His mercy.
to Christmas. Christmas is a promise of peace. That Jesus himself said he did not come to bring peace, but a sword and to divide families. You see, for those who trust in God and follow Jesus and and are excited about the message that he has come to save us and who chase after him and who are willing to look like idiots knocking on the doors and saying, "Have have you seen this baby? For those, there is great joy and great peace. But for those who... who hear the news and go, well, that's a nice story, and then put the TV back on. (sighs) I think the message of Luke is, is that if you are able to receive what God wants to give, then the message of peace is for you. And it is available for all. The promise is great news of great joy for all peoples. I think the lesson of Christmas, of Jesus' birth, is that God is faithful and true and that God has a, a heart that just wants us to know Him. No matter who we are, God has identified with us. And my prayer is that this Christmas there would be more peace than ever before. And that's why, that's why we're putting on the carols this year. We're putting on the carols because we want people to hear the story and we want people to, to realize that if they turn to God, they can know the Prince of Peace. And yeah, it's going to put us out this Christmas to be ambassadors for the Prince of Peace. But let's get excited about it. You know what? Those shepherds were not thinking, I'm going to be an ambassador for Jesus' birth. They were just thinking, wow! And once they found him, the Bible says that they were even more, wow! Telling everyone, and Mary's just like, wow. Isn't this amazing? The Prince of Peace has come. Angels couldn't resist but to burst into songs of praise and anticipation of the day in heaven when Jesus is revealed as the eternal one who died and rose again. Because the good news has been announced and God has announced it even to us. Even to us. Amen. Let's stand and sing. We're those, angel- we're those shepherds. We've just been and seen the Lord and now we're going to go tell it on the mountain. You ready? Ready?